This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 956, Spotlight on the Batman. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 956. I'm doing a little bit of a spotlight on uh, The Batman, which is the newest uh, DC film, not part of the DCEU, uh, but it's kind of its, its own thing. Um, this was a movie I was pretty excited about. I remember when the casting was first announced for Robert Pattinson, I was like, yeah, well, I could see it. Why not? Like, I hadn't really even seen Pattinson in anything, but I was like, I, I'm pretty sure that this can this could work. Or that, you know, I, It's funny, a lot of people like to complain about castings, and that was just never something that, that bothered me. Uh, I've, I even I remember going back to when uh, Ben Affleck was cast as Batman. I was like, yeah, I could see it. You know, he wants it. He can make it work. Like, I just, I don't, I, I feel like I was probably one of the people who was like, Heath Ledger's the Joker. That's weird. And then that was so good that I was like, well, I'll, I'll never doubt casting again. Because sometimes, you know, things can really work out and you don't expect them to. Like, I honestly never would have expected Paul Dano to be a good Riddler. And yet he really sold it. I don't know a lot of the work on it is done by like the creepy mask and the kind of the weird modulating voice but I, I you know he obviously adds a certain uh, thing to it especially his eyes are really creepy uh, but I really enjoyed this new film so I should go back and say I uh, you know I went to go see this on opening day at 11 o'clock in the morning which is you know, you know the prime time to see a very gritty dark Batman movie which feels like you know it's it's constantly nighttime, it's constantly raining so I'm going to see it in the middle of the day when it's bright out uh, that, that was my plan um, you know here in, in Toronto uh, they had just released uh, capacity restrictions and you didn't have to have a, a passport to show, not a real passport, a, a vaccine passport to show that you had had your vaccination against COVID-19. That was the first uh, week where they kind of lifted those restrictions. So I'd been to a movie uh, the previous Saturday. I'd gone to like you know a 10.30 movie uh, showing of Spider-Man No Way Home with a friend of the show, Tibor Mate, um, because you know he wasn't really comfortable going to crowded theaters and really neither was I. Um, I made an exception when I saw No Way Home the first time, but I saw it at a a theater where we were kind of in our own pod and we weren't it wasn't as close as a typical kind of theater would have been um so i wanted you know so i had been with him on the saturday we had a late show of movie that was already out for two months so i knew it was going to be pretty sparse and then going i was all week keeping track of you know how many tickets are sold for this 11 o'clock show really weird and obsessive like just being like hope it's not too busy so i feel comfortable going and partly it's maybe less me and more like wanting my wife to be like yeah that's okay you can go like it's it's all right it's safe i'm not upset if you go to a movie theater, which is stupid because she wouldn't like stop me. But I mean, obviously we have you know a young child who is unvaccinated because she's you know three, so you know it was top of mind. Anyways, I just wanted to make sure that she was okay with it, I was okay with it. So all week I was kind of checking it, and so then I finally went and saw the movie and uh, really really enjoyed it. Was it as it did not feel nearly as long as I knew it was uh, going in? I was like, oof, that's a that's a long runtime. You know, 176 minutes uh, is a pretty long film. Um, that being said, I thought it moved really quickly and it was really engrossing. And there were certain scenes which definitely took their time, but sometimes it just ratcheted up the tension or how uncomfortable you felt. Like there was a few scenes with the Riddler um, where I felt really uncomfortable because I wasn't really sure what he was going to do. Um, and again, it, it, it was unsettling, but in a, a good way. And I guess I kind of felt the same way to a degree when uh, Joker came out a few years ago, which would have been about two and a half years ago, I think. Um, you know, there was that movie was had an 
uncomfortable silences, a lot of you know quiet moments in between things, and you just kind of it, it slowly gestated, and you were like, what is going to happen next? And so the opening scene with Ave Maria and the Riddler. This is sorry, this is a lot of spoilers. Anyway, I'm just going to jump right out. Uh, I'm going to spoil some stuff, uh, or maybe not as much as I think. I, I can speak in vague generalities. So if you've seen the movie, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I really enjoyed, you know, the 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 methodicalness of the film. I liked how this was a Batman movie. It wasn't really worried about the mask that was Bruce Wayne. It used it here and there, but even then, not a lot. And even one thing I really appreciated about it, which I did not expect based on the trailer, which, again, that's good misdirection, is that I was worried that, you know, this would be a Riddler who kind of knew who Batman was and kind of messing with that aspect. And it was less about that and more just, you know, the Wayne family had, you know, was part of the what they viewed as kind of this rotted corruption of Gotham and less about Bruce being Batman and that having a connection. I kind of like that. I mean, I don't think we always need to have the Waynes always coming up, but it does speak to the character of Gotham City that the whole idea, you know, is that the Waynes, when they were gunned down, is that they were this, this big thing, at least in most interpretations. They were, you know, a very important family, uh, kind of one of the founding families of Gotham, and then they're taken out of the equation. What does that mean? And how does that kind of dis- have the entire city then descend into, you know, chaos over the years and ruin because the, the upstanding, you know, family is gone, which is a really fascinating perspective to take, to be honest, because uh, of the historical kind of whiteness of the Waynes and what that means that when the white, you know, the white saviors are gone, what the, the crime just takes over. It's a, it's a weird kind of bend to take, actually, when you think about it. Um, but I enjoyed how this was a Batman movie. It wasn't, again, as I said, it wasn't really concerned with the mask of Bruce Wayne. So I was thinking about it afterwards, like, Pattinson's definitely up, like, way at the top now in terms of some of the best Batman, because they let him be Batman. Um, they weren't worried about the Bruce Wayne kind of delicately balancing the two between them. I do think, for me, I do like the way that Christian Bale was the playboy Bat- Bat- Bruce, or at least tried to kind of show how that mask was functioning, and definitely using it as a mask, whereas here they almost discard it completely. Um, he spends so much of the, of, the, of the movie with the mask on, which is refreshing, because so many superhero movies, uh, they cannot wait to get that mask off. And this one felt like they really labored under it, and it gave him more strength. And I love the costume i loved uh the the physical presence of batman when he was on the screen it just felt like he towered over everything um you know had this uh, this physical prem, uh, um, physical presence that really loomed large over the film uh whenever he was on the screen he just felt bigger and badder and it was really enjoyable and again we got to see him be a detective and actually try to figure things out and I found that so refreshing because I realized you really haven't seen a lot of that. You've seen elements here and there. Usually it's him using the computer, and that's about as far as into the detective work as we go. If you think of the first Tim Burton movie, like you have him kind of analyzing samples from you know the different cosmetics, but again, we don't really see a lot of him doing it, but we know he's sitting at the back computer, so he's definitely analyzing and doing stuff. But this felt like it was actual kind of legwork, detective legwork. Um, I really liked, you know, Batman on the motorcycle. I liked this version of the Batmobile, which, again, felt kind of retro, but also, you know, new futuristic uh, tech in terms of, you know, how what he had on the back there. So, like, the which was obviously meant to kind of simulate uh, the thoughts of the Adam West Batmobile. So, um, really enjoyed it. The Pattinson was so good. And his voice, actually, I really enjoyed uh, how he kind of carried out Batman's voice and tenor, how he moved. Again, so much of it, though, comes down to the direction by Matt Reeves, because Matt Reeves felt like he let the scenes really have air. 
He let things breathe. He let things go at their own pace. He wasn't uh, doing too many jump cuts. Like this was a movie that took a lot of you know deliberate time. It was very deliberate. I guess that's probably the best word. Is the movie felt deliberate in its shots and its its willingness to spend time in open moments and leave pregnant pauses and uh, not rush on to the next scene. Uh, I didn't feel overly produced in that way. I didn't feel like we were all, you know, constantly jump cutting to the next thing to push the momentum forward. It was a little bit slower in terms of um, you know, jump cuts and that kind of stuff to, to next scenes and scene breaks, uh, which, again, felt very refreshing because I feel like we haven't had that in a while, at least not to this degree. Uh, a real patience with it. And again, there's a lot of mood here. Um, you know, the city is is a character, which Gotham should be in most interpretations. It really should be used as a character. Um, it's interesting, the use of the Penguin didn't really feel like the Penguin. It could have almost been any other enforcer. But it, I still enjoyed the, um, the use of the character as it was. Like, again, realizing that really outside of, you know, the, the nose and... Uh, the name it's not really doesn't feel a lot like the king the sorry the um the penguin we're used to which is part of the point that's kind of the origin of who that character ends up becoming um but i did like how you know it was really a an interesting perspective on this kind of muscle guy you know muscled up kind of uh not enforcer per se but kind of uh you know member of the crime family not as high up as we're used to in the future uh kind of seeing the physicality of colin farrell who Honest to God, if you did not tell me it was Colin Farrell, I don't think I would ever figure it out. Um, there's just it. He disappears completely, but inhabits it so completely. Like he feel I. There's just so much about the physical um, characteristics of how he's able to kind of maneuver within that kind of makeup and and all the you know prosthetics they have on him, and also how he kind of tim- uses the timber of his voice. Um, I really liked his kind of the snarl and the the kind of the cadence of it. I thought really worked for this character uh, as portrayed uh carmine falcone or falcone or whatever you want to call it felt very like right out of tim sale and uh jeff Loeb's uh long halloween like it just even down to him getting scratched like it just felt very like it's interesting i how much has been cribbed out of long halloween and that whole aesthetic of that book not even just like the storylines itself and the idea of using the holiday uh killer uh using you uh, kind of revolutionizing how calendar man looks and is represented um interpretations of catwoman and what she was like at this period um aside from all those just design aesthetics are there like there's just so much that they've kind of cribbed from this period it's kind of amazing um that maybe the I feel like it should get even more respect than it does. I love those books. I love Dark Victory. I love How Long Halloween. But it is fascinating to see just how ingrained it is. Um, this is a wonderful, again, year two examination. What's nice is that because you have all the Batman movies before it and so many different permutations, but obviously the Nolan ones probably most significantly, people can kind of fill in the blanks now on how Batman came to be this way, how he started his journey, how he trained. Like, we've seen that in other movies, and so it's kind of like James Bond, where everything kind of exists in the ether, even though it may not specifically be pulling from those characters' adventures. Um, because the audience has experienced them, we're able to fill in the blanks more easily. It's kind of like with Spider-Man uh, Homecoming, um, before they kind of eventually kind of made it look like there was never an Uncle Ben, but at that point, at least, there's vague hints that so- there was a tragedy of some kind, that Spider-Man did learn a lesson of some kind, that's why he's a hero, but we didn't need to see it again, which was really refreshing. And even here, we don't really see, we don't see the death. I mean, they talk about the death of the Waynes, but you don't actually 
actually have to see it again. We don't need to see the pearls flying through the air anymore. Um, audiences get it. I, audiences know this. I'm glad that they're finally maybe peeling away from having to show us the Wayne's dying constantly. They're referencing it, but we didn't actually see it for once. Um, but I, I, you know, it's because there's this cultural um, cachet that Batman has and that people have experienced through all these different Batman movies. I feel like it really benefits from all those prior movies that it could just kind of tell its own story. And again, really zeroing in on the whole, you know, world's greatest detective piece, which I really appreciated. Um, and having more of a game of, of wits between him and the Riddler. And I thought the Riddler was a really interesting, per, you know, villain to use. And obviously they're using a much more sinister, you know, serial killer version of the character, um, which in part of me is like, that's too bad uh you know because it, it's a very adult movie like my son was like oh was it good and i'm like yeah but you're not gonna watch this for like a long time like you're eight years old so like this pushes the boundaries of pg-13 like it's pretty violent um you know i i you know I, he's probably not gonna watch those till he's like 14 15 years old at least with me knowing about it uh, but um you know i, I do i do go into a lot of movies now thinking about like when can I watch this with Zach and that one I was like before even going in I was like I don't know man I don't think I've seen this for a while and even with my wife she's like oh, I don't really have any interest in seeing it and I watched it and I'm like well I can see how it's not really her cup of tea per se but it's really good and it's really entertaining and but again it's very dark and it doesn't really have happy endings in the way that previous Batman movies did like the only Nolan movies for the most part had a you know, kind of an uplifting kind of message at the end. Like, even Dark Knight with him being on the run, like, you know, he did the right thing. You know, he he's, you know, he's doing the best thing for his city. Uh, at the end of the day, like, you know, he doesn't want people to lose hope. Um, so as much as it's kind of a downbeat, it's also still uplifting in some way. Uh, and the Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises are definitely uplifting in their own ways as well. So they're all kind of uplifting movies. Obviously, the Tim Burton movie has, like, the climactic moment. Like, he beat the villain. The villain's dead, and he's standing on the rooftops with, you know, the amazing Danny Elfman music, um, you know, uh, joyously kind of her heralding his heroism. Uh, this movie did not feel that way. This this movie was a much darker kind of somber ending um but it definitely makes me want to see what they can do next uh zoe kravitz was brilliant as catwoman i really liked the physicality of her character because uh, she felt like the catwoman in the comics in a way that we haven't seen uh and hathaway did a good job but not to this degree not it didn't feel as natural um there's just something about this interpretation of the character that felt more accurate uh, again a lot of it comes down to Kravitz's physicality and how she really inhabited the role, um, how she her interplay with Batman also felt a lot more natural and gamey um, than we saw in Dark Knight Rises and so this felt more organic to the way they operate in the comics that you know, they're on different sides but they're also kind of working together at the same time. I liked how they used, again, things from Catwoman when in Rome, um, which is again another Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb um, you know, concoction or collaboration. So, um, really enjoyed her portrayal. Uh, just really kind of running down the list of people who were in this movie, I don't think there's really a bad performance of the bunch. As I said, Paul Dano was really kind of chilling um, as the Riddler. It's interesting seeing him... Um, you know, once he's out of the kind of the mask, what he's like then, it's it's very interesting because they're so used to him in that kind of cre- really creepy uh, getup. I really enjoyed Jeffrey Love Wright, uh, sorry Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. Um, he's a, f- a really interesting portrayal of the character because they're already him and Batman are already in their jersey journey together. Um, they're already working together to you know. I like how they're. Uh, 
they're just bringing Batman in on crime scenes. And some people are like really distrusting of this and don't like it. The commissioner at the time doesn't like it, but you know, they're just kind of outright doing it, which is interesting because obviously, you know, some of the movies lean more into this than others. Uh, obviously dark Knight did, but it was only in that one movie. And it never felt to the same degree here because they were always kind of working together, but Batman was still kind of doing his own thing. Whereas here they felt like they were much more of a team going to, you know, into certain crime scenes together. Um, I really liked how involved Gordon was in actually actively doing things because a lot of the interpretations we're used to is, you know, he's Commissioner Gordon. He's not necessarily going out and, you know, investigating things like he, Batman does here. Uh, so I like that they're really working together. As I said before, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone was brilliant. I thought he was so interesting, um, you know, interpretation of the character. He was less what's the word again it was more like the comic in terms of the physicality he looked more like that version of the character and he was less of a, a thug um that we kind of saw in batman begins not not to say that that version was a thug but that one felt much more criminal and not nearly as you know trying to be above it all um and kind of more philosophical as a criminal in some way because he thinks he's just this better thing um which i thought that Totoro really brought across uh Peter Sarsgaard, which it took me for a while to be able to place him. He was Gil Coulson, the district attorney. Uh, really liked his portrayal. I thought he did a great job. Uh, he was kind of... There's something about his face and, the, and some of the expressions he had that I thought really fit the character and really good mannerisms. Uh, Andy Serkis doesn't get a lot to do as Alfred. Um, they have a very interesting relationship here, which is obviously very different than what we're used to um, because there's a lot less of him kind of being actively involved in some of, or and, I don't know, just the usual interpretation of their relationship was not there, but it was an interesting, I honestly did think that they killed him. Um, then he, he didn't die. And I was glad for that because I want to see more of Andy Serkis's Alfred because again, the movie kind of downplays his, uh, his role. Um, but he, you know, he, it's almost, he, he was almost fridged. <laughs> he was almost more of a woman in, women in refrigerators moment in terms of how he was kind of used as a way of um, doing some, you know, less of having his own role and in, in storyline and more just kind of progressing Bruce's journey or what Bruce has to deal with in terms of his potential grief over losing Alfred. Um, but I, I would like to see more of Alfred. And then obviously, as I already mentioned, Colin Farrell as uh, Cobblepot or Oz. I like that they just called him Oz instead of Oswald. Um, really enjoyed how he was, uh, how he was portrayed. I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, so I really like this. Now we have a cameo appearance at the end of, as the Joker. We have uh, Barry Cogan, I guess is how you pronounce it. Um, so that was, you know, interesting. We'll see what comes from that. If, if something does indeed come from that. Um, I, as I said, I thought this movie was fantastic. I would love to see more um, from Matt Reeves because uh, I felt like if you if you haven't listened to it, listen to his um, Happy Sad Confused interview about Batman because it just feels like I could just hear him talk about his process and his decisions here for like hours um, because he's so deliberate and he has such a interesting perspective. And again, he's talking about like the comics and things he cribbed from and you know some of the um, uh, impacts and. Uh, influences he took into making this. Anyways, I thought this was fantastic. Yes, it's long, uh, but it's enjoyable, and for the most part, doesn't never feels overly long. Um, it, it's a very long movie, but uh, it is able to manage its weight, um, which is not always the case with long movies. Sometimes you end up with like a bloated third act or whatever. I never felt that way. Um, I was riveted, you know, almost the entire time. And even after you capture the Riddler, I'm like, well, now what? Uh, going back and watching the trailers was interesting too afterwards because I realized. 
how much kind of from the end they show you, but it's about without context and you don't really know when things are going to be taking place, but it's interesting to now see it afterwards and be like, Oh, okay. They actually like spoiled some, some things from like later on. Um, but it did feel like a in- interesting distribution. And I feel like it didn't really give the story away. But the story is that the Riddler's around and he has to stop the Riddler. That's really the story. And I feel like, Yes, the trailer gives that away, but it doesn't really give away any of the real beats. And yes, there's the, in the one trailer they show, you know, Paul Dano being arrested. But even then, when I watched it, I don't know if I really realized it was the Riddler or if it was just, you know, obviously we see the question mark. And I was like, is that the Riddler or is it just kind of, you know, promotional thing because it's the movie or what does this Riddler thing mean or who knows? I didn't think it was actually going to be the Riddler. I, I don't think I really realized it was Paul Dano. I don't think I, I knew it, but I hadn't really maybe um, assimilated it into my mind when I was thinking about it. But uh, anyways, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, if you can make it out to a theater and you're comfortable in doing so, it's highly recommended. Uh, it's long. Um, so as, as one person called it, a, a bladder buster. So make sure you're ready to sit down for a good long time. But uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought Robert Pattinson did an amazing job. He might be my favorite Batman, to be honest. Uh, it's not triumphant. It's not super exciting. Uh, it probably doesn't have, in some ways, the rewatchable moments that a movie like Dark Knight has. Um, but if you sit down and watch the whole thing through, like you get a true adventure and it's really exciting to see Batman being a certain version of Batman that we've never really seen on screen, which is the true detective. And that's what we got here, which I really appreciated. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode. You can email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com rate and review, rate and review the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.